Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to the Book Collector podcast. It may not be seemly for the book collector to make podcasts of obituaries amid the perils of COVID-19, but that of Burton Weiss will enliven anyone's day. It was written by Ian Jackson and published in the Book Collector summer issue for 2011. The reader is John Windle. The best coffee in Berkeley was the slogan Burton Weiss used to advertise his book business. It was a rash claim to make in a city of gastronomes, but wise men knew better than to argue with Burton. With his splendid close-shaved cranium, his bronzed skin, insinuatingly authoritative manner, and insouciant, almost Curzonian sense of effortless entitlement, Burton Weiss could easily have passed for the dictator of some renegade male lesbos in the South Seas. Weiss, however, was a bookseller. He took his homosexuality more seriously than his Judaism. It was an enormous advantage to an expert purveyor of gay literature to be croyant as well as pratiquant. Weiss was a formidable presence both in and out of his speciality. One of the pleasures of homosexuality he especially savoured was its capacity to make so many stodgy Christians uncomfortable. Characteristically, he also found a way to antagonize his fellow Jews by collecting books, prints, posters, ephemera, and crockery relating to the pig much of it was kitsch. In such company, Beatrix Potter's tale of Little Pig Robinson always looked rather forlorn. Burton Weiss was a native New Yorker. The diversified investments of his family included furs and the National Hotel in Times Square, an iconic flea bag establishment finally brought down by the Wreckers Ball in 1991. His years as an undergraduate at Cornell were typical of the turbulent 60s, involving the usual political activities of the time. Civil rights, free speech, opposition to the Vietnam War. As late as 1980, he was arrested at the Berkeley Post Office for protesting against the draft. Ever flamboyant, Weiss took pride in attracting the disciplinary attentions of the Cornell administration, boasting that he had been expelled more often than any of his classmates. At Cornell too, the early death of his close friend Matthew Goodman in 1967 inspired him to collect the books of Goodman's bisexual father Paul and eventually to write a foreword to Tom Nicely's bibliography of Goodman. After university, he became a therapist in New York, counseling alcoholics and others. On moving to California, he expected to continue such work, 
while collecting on the side, when a chance discussion in 1977 with Peter Howard of Serendipity Books led to the offer of a job. Books now became Weiss's work, but psychotherapy remained an essential element in his life. It was not just that many people considered his employer to be mentally unbalanced. Weiss's years in counselling had left their mark on his sales technique, which ran the gamut of 1960s therapeutic practices from simple hand-holding to encounter group, shock therapy, orgone energy, and rolfing. Weiss was a pioneer in applying the concept of tough love to bookselling. No dealer had a more profound understanding of the sadomasochistic underpinnings of the bookseller-client relationship at the upper end of the trade. His background in mental health also gave him a special insight into what Jane Collier called, in her innovative treatise on nagging, 1753, the art of ingeniously tormenting. A favourite victim was his crazy employer at Serendipity. For years Weiss had exploited the knowledge that Peter Howard had never fired anyone on principle. He overreached himself, however, in the week after Christmas in 1990, by announcing, I'm not willing to work next year without greater emolument. Always slow at repartee, Howard for once retorted instantly, Burton, I accept your resignation, and that was that. Weiss spent the next two decades as a semi-private dealer in Berkeley, specialising in gay and lesbian literature, fetishistically perfect modern first editions, fables, and the Spanish Civil War. Weiss had no need to lie or hedge about his books. Their desirability, their transcendent perfection was obvious above all to Weiss, and his self-confidence carried the buyer along. He used his vibrant homosexuality as a commercial weapon, writing of books with unabashed lust. Quote, I also desire each book to be complete, i.e. in its original form, nothing missing, blemished, halt, or lame, in short, whole. I have always been attracted to whole, individual, beautiful books or bodies. I desire them. Yet, as I grow older, I find, having begun perhaps to ascend that ladder, the mysteries of which Socrates outlined to the drunken company, that I also desire beautiful books or bodies as a whole. Strange tastes? And, at least in the case of book collecting, even stranger practices? Perhaps. Unquote. Collectible books, some new paths, edited by Jean Peters, Bowker, 1979, page 262. His engaging smile, wonderfully broad, boyish, and almost confiding, beamed benevolently over the customer, encouraging the victim to believe that he was enjoying whatever ruinous transaction was in progress as much as his tormentor. If his favourite mafioso technique of an offer you can't refuse had no effect on the reluctant customer, he could turn coquettishly feline. Pricing is a dialogue, he would insist. 
but this simply meant that the customer was a reluctant participant in a hazing ritual the rules of which had only been disclosed twice. He described his shop and house on the web as user-friendly, which was true so long as one understood that the owner was the only officially qualified user. The shelves were unbrowsable, as Weiss kept buyers in their place by restricting their gaze and movements to a shelf and a half at a time. When asked by the editor of Fine Books and Collections in September 2007 what he would tell a prospective customer about his $2,750 copy of the limited edition of Hockney's Alphabet, AIDS Crisis Trust 1991, Weiss replied, I'm an old-fashioned bookseller. I'd tell them to buy it, and you know, they usually do. It wasn't always quite so simple. Weiss had many ways to tell them to buy it. Sometimes a little tactical humiliation was in order. I thought you said you were a serious collector, he would say with a mocking sniff to a hesitant buyer. You can't expect me to call you if you're just going to say no, was Weiss's rephrasing of Selden's celebrated advice. Well, if you don't want to have the world's greatest Gore Vidal collection, I shouldn't even let you look at this, he taunted, holding some juicily inscribed rarity just out of reach. Weiss was a consummate actor. He knew just when to coax or tease and when to belittle the insecure. He cajoled in a wide range of voices, from baritone to counter-tenor, as he moved in for the kill. But there was something playful even here, and not just the play of cat and mouse. Unlike certain protective or sadistic prices, Weiss actually believed in the product, and admitted to suffering anguish at having noticed once again the ever-so-slight chip on the dust jacket of Myra Breckenridge. I turn away, irresistibly look back, then turn away, feeling increasingly both nervous and impotent. He had little in common, too, with those heartless dealers, black holes of emotion, who neither reflect back the collector's passion nor absorb it into their own being. With Weiss you sensed that no scintilla of human happiness or pleasure was ever truly lost. It was simply redistributed in Weiss's direction, naturally. What was certainly old-fashioned about Burton Weiss was his total immersion in the oral tradition. He loved the telephone. He did, however, produce several catalogues, most notably of books from the library of James Baldwin in 1996 and Onanism, the Masturbation Panic 1756 to 1973 in 2006, jointly issued with Timothy Darch Smith. Weiss was also a publisher. With James Musser of Skyline Books, he produced two volumes of rediscovered writings by Richard Brodigan, 1996-99, and with David Dice of Elysium Press in 2002, 
Gaston Gour's Collège, a collection of erotic pastels of schoolboys. Weiss's parents had only recently died at patriarchal ages, encouraging him to anticipate 30 or even 40 more years of pleasurable retirement, involving much recreation in his beloved Spain, where he had a second home. Weiss enjoyed tormenting Peter Howard by asking for books by Gabriel Garcia Marquez and other South American authors in a prissy Castilian accent. It was not to be. Weiss died all too young of brain cancer and syphilis. With his death, much of the panache has vanished from the antiquarian book trade in California and far beyond. Burton Ira Weiss, born New York the 4th of July 1945, died Berkeley, California, 19th of June 2011. That was the obituary of Burton Weiss, written by Ian Jackson and read by John Windle.